0: Welcome to Breaking Brave. I'm your host, Marilyn Barefoot. Before we get started, I want to let you know in advance that potentially triggering material will be discussed today. The content of today's episode touches on a highly sensitive subject matter that may be emotionally challenging or triggering for some of our listeners. This week, I'm joined by Kate and Kent Hammond. A very rare form of cancer took the life of their son, Miles Philip Hammond in February 2021, just four days after his first birthday. Miles Hammond's life was short, but his parents are ensuring their child's legacy is a forever one. I am deeply grateful to Kate and Kent for their willingness to open up and share their story so candidly on Breaking Brave. Only weeks, I might add, after the birth of their newborn daughter, Nora. Kate and Kent touch on pediatric cancer, in vitro fertilization, and saying goodbye to their son. The bravery and strength of these parents is absolutely beyond description. Please welcome Kate and Kent Hammond. I am very excited to introduce Kent and Kate Hammonds and their beautiful baby, baby Nora to Breaking Brave, and the reason that I actually came to know you, Kent and Kate, was through my advertising agency background and through your family member Kent, who is a founder of Broken Heart Love Affair, and they connected us and they connected us for such an incredible reason and that's why I wanted to have you on Breaking Brave. I would love to and maybe I'll start with you Kent. I would love to hear the story of the beautiful baby boy who isn't with us on this call or on this earth anymore, Miles. And and I just I think that your story will help so many people in the world. We have a global audience and That's what we're trying to do, is to show people bravery in all different walks of life and give them hope. Yeah. So Kent, maybe you could start with, tell us a little bit about Miles.
1: Um, Miles uh, is our son, or was here with us. Um, He was born February 5th, 2020, and uh, we lost him on February 9th, 2021. Miles was... uh, beautiful happy little boy and when he was about three months old close to the time you know where Nora is now uh, I was just playing with him and I, I had found a little lump in his foot and um, it, and that just started months and months and months of uh, a battle that we we didn't end up winning but um, through that to talk a little more about like who Miles is he was just Uh, the light of our lives he was such a happy strong uh, little man the whole whole way through all the awful things that were dealt his way and uh he just had a spark that it's kind of hard to explain but people just tended to gravitate to him and he was born right at the beginning of covid and um a lot of his life was spent isolated with us at home or uh out with people with masks on and somehow he navigated that whole world amazingly and connected with so many people and it seemed like every doctor and nurse and friend and family member just seemed to gravitate to him before even like even before he was sick but it just seemed like once he was sick everybody everybody gravitated to his energy he just had a really fantastic energy.
0: The photos that I've seen of him, certainly, you can see all of what you've just described. Can't shining through his eyes. Can I then ask, lump on a ba- within the baby's foot? What what do you do? What's the step after that? You go to your pediatrician. What's the journey from? perceiving it there on his foot obviously maybe at 3 months old it's hard to know whether the baby was in pain or not with it but mm-hmm. what what did you guys do in terms of addressing this and figuring it out
1: So it was a it was a weird situation and um it's almost I, we, I the day that we realized it was a problem uh versus you know the weeks leading up to it in hindsight did we notice something it was more like his bottom of his foot was feeling thicker. So it was kind of, it wasn't like a specific lump that was easy to just say, Hey, there it is. So, um, it started, it started as simply as saying to Kate, like, feel this, what do you think? And then we had a friend who was a nurse who's married to a doctor and another friend who was a nurse. And we started taking pictures and trying to get feedback from professionals that we knew. Uh, and then that led to us taking him to our nurse practitioner and uh, Kate's going to be the, the better person with all the, the specifics and details. But um, we went from the nurse practitioner to the hospital to have a uh, scan and it came back as uh, misdiagnosed it as something else. Um, but it continued to grow and we were kind of suspicious about it. Um, so... It, we went for another scan at Soldiers' Memorial Hospital in Aurelia, and then the doctors down there I think they as soon as they saw it, they knew something was off and um and they sent it down to sick kids and then uh it was a little bit tricky to get into sick kids and f- from what we learned that we didn't know at the time was it's sometimes hard to get on that ride to get in. But once you're in the sick kids' world, everything goes really fast. so um you know, we were sending more pictures and updates to some doctors at sick kids and their doctors in Aurelia um and it was growing rapidly at that point. uh his foot seemed to just be getting bigger and bigger every day, so um we finally got the news that it was a cancer. And they had an idea of what it was, but they weren't 100% sure. And, and it was still, we, things weren't happening quick, quick enough for us because it was a daily change that we were seeing. So we went back to our nurse practitioner and said, you know, what do we need to do to make things happen? And uh, I don't know what he did. He did some, I think he went through a, a bit of a back door and chatted with um, some people at the hospital, sick kids, and uh, got a call like I think it was that afternoon to come down and he started chemo the next day. So it, it all happened pretty rapidly once, once we got in. And then from there it was, you know, one session of chemo, uh, a few weeks of recovery, you know, weeks of recovery, another session of chemo weeks of recovery uh, throughout the summer. So he was born in February. We found it around Easter um, and then spent the spring and summer uh just going through the ringer of treatments back and forth to toronto back and forth to aurelia and then uh um come september it was obvious that things weren't um it seemed like things were getting better but it was an extremely rare and extremely aggressive cancer but yeah and come september he uh you know, I think it was maybe August or or July that we found out that they were going to have to amputate his foot, which was a big hurdle, but we thought that was going to be the solution. So, uh, yeah, we went through the summer, and then knowing that the fall was going to be a big moment, and uh, he had his foot amputated on September 10th, and uh, the lead-up to that was awful, Um, this, like just the worry and the concern. Um, but you learn pretty quickly, especially when you have a little boy like Miles, it wasn't that bad. He, he lost his foot and that was awful for him and for us to go through. But on the other end of it, and Kate and I have often talked about that experience is he came out of his surgery and looked up at Kate, gave her a big smile. And, uh, that's kind of, that was his whole energy. And, you know, it just put us at, at ease. And, and after, during his recovery, he was fantastic. And just, you know, he was at that right age too, where there were no social pressures or concerns. So he could just be himself and learn to be without the foot instead of learning to act within the social constructs of the world, as well as recover from it so it was it was actually really this might sound strange but it was kind of fun afterwards to like we were learning lots and we were excited to see where he was going to go go with it all yeah and it was uh it was really an interesting time and he was getting better and healthier and we had a scan about christmas time just before christmas and it was clear and we were that was fantastic news and for Christmas, and we had an amazing Christmas. And Kate's parents came to stay with us where we live in Muskoka, and um, my parents stayed overnight on Christmas Eve because it was still COVID, so we had to keep our circle pretty small. But, um, yeah, we had a really, really fantastic Christmas. And then after Christmas, he just started um, – he, he was, like, nauseous. And we went down for, uh, you know, he was sick a few times, but at strange times and we didn't, Kate had a really bad feeling about it. I think it was a maternal instinct and had sort of said, you know, I'm worried about this. And I said, well, you know, babies get sick, you know, it's not really a big deal. And we had had the clear scan just before Christmas and, um, yeah. And then, uh, we went for a checkup in January and, um, yeah, it was uh, it was sorry. Yeah, it uh metastasized to his brain and uh he uh they had said I think days to live. Um so but we ended up having uh some solid weeks with him and we had the option to keep him at sick kids. And we, as soon as we knew he wasn't going to make it, we wanted to bring him home. Of course. Hmm.
0: Thank you, Kent.
1: Yeah. Thank you. So.
0: Kate, if um, baby Nora, I can see baby Nora sitting on your lap, and, I, and she's happy to gurgle and, and chime in, but.
2: Thanks. Yeah, you might uh, you might hear her in the background. <laughs> She's got lots to say these days. It's a happy so. <laughs>
0: sound. Come on, it's great. Yeah, yeah um, it is. Kate, I I don't know where there. That's, it's a beyond words story to tell and to absorb, but but. How are you feeling as as Kent was taking us through it and 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 where and what would you like to to add to that?
2: Yeah, I think it's um it's it's difficult to talk about obviously and to hear um you know, to hear Kent recount the story and um you know, you get almost used to recounting the story of his life and because his life was so short i think we've gotten used to and to to a certain degree anyway um used to you know speaking about um about the sequence of events and how you know how it happened but I think you know the realities of COVID, of being in the hospital, um, and you know parts parts of my experience certainly with Miles were were different to Kent's um, in in a lot of ways because I was the the primary one in the hospitals with him because there was only allowed to be yeah. one caregiver with him at all times, yeah. so um, we had to experience things separately, which was probably one of the hardest parts of his illness, you know, his diagnosis, everything, you know, I was in a hospital room with Kent on FaceTime, uh, when we got the news that it was, you know, that it was cancer. And, um, so, and and Kent spent time in outdoor parking lots, receiving horrible news over the phone, um, while I was in the hospital, like being separated was, um, was, I think probably, you know, to put it lightly, a pretty, gruesome way to go through something like that um, so you know COVID was this additional layer um as Kent was sort of saying you know Miles was born at the beginning of COVID really he was born in February and COVID hit in March and then it was Easter when we found the lump in his foot it was just it seemed like one thing after another and it was just all of these layers of um of bad news and um but I think what Ken spoke to, um, was really Miles's energy and his spirit. And I think that that's obviously we remember all of the hard things and all of the awful, awful things that we had to go through as a family. But, um, what we want his legacy to be. And that's sort of one part that we'd love to speak to as well. But, you know, part of what we want his legacy to be is, um, is, uh, is really that legacy of um, just grit. And he just embodied joy in the face of adversity. Like he, he really, truly impacted so many people, even though he sometimes only met, you know, met some of our family members once, if at all, um, and, and friends, certainly because of COVID and because we had to be super careful with him being in chemotherapy and being immunocompromised. Um, you know, but the people that he did meet, even over Zoom and FaceTime and, you know, he just, He had this inimitable joy and um, just contagious, contagious light about him. And that's a really hard thing to move on without. Thank you, Kate. So
0: there's been a couple of things that have happened to never let go of Miles, to, to create a legacy for him, to always have that hope and that grit. Alive, and that's what I'd love to talk to you about. Is you guys did a fundraiser in which you raised twenty thousand dollars for the Aurelia Soldiers Memorial Hospital, but there's an endowment fund, and then there's a scholarship. So maybe uh, Kate, you could take me through, like, what are the things that the community slash you've been able to put in place to continue to honor miles
2: sure yeah there are um there are a number of things i think in the in the months following his death i think um of course there were there were a lot of dark times and a lot of a lot of darkness and soul searching on on our parts and I think one of the first things that we were able to do, um, sort of in his memory was, um, was, uh, through the donations that we had directed to Soldiers Memorial Hospital, which is where Miles received, um, a lot of his, uh, and not his, his chemotherapy treatment was always at sick kids, but Aurelia is our closest, um, pediatric hospital. So, um, anytime he had a fever or had any kind of, um, needed blood work, needed a blood transfusion, uh, Aurelia was really where we went. And it's also a site for the pediatric, it's called POGO, the pediatric oncology group of Ontario. They have a dedicated nurse at Aurelia, um, at the Aurelia hospital to, uh, to, to, Deliver um, uh, pediatric oncology services to kids in the area as well because miles was so little he had to go to sick kids for his treatment, but otherwise he would have been able to receive outpatient chemotherapy at Aurelia hospital so um, we felt really strongly about supporting them and so when we lost him in his um, obituary we decided to have um, any do- any donations directed towards you know in his memory at the Aurelia hospital and they at the at the foundation they were absolutely gobsmacked by the by the sheer number and um and amounts of donations that were pouring in um from you know family and friends in our community uh rallying around us when we lost him and and really being generous um to giving to the hospital so They actually um, recommended that we set up a dedicated fund. So we set up um, the Miles-Philip Hammond uh, Endowment Fund at uh, at the Aurelia Soldiers Memorial Hospital Foundation. So basically that fund is earmarked for pediatric and neonatal uh, units. So any of our fundraising efforts um, go into that earmarked fund, um, and then we decide on an annual basis what to do with those funds and what purchases to make uh, based on the hospitals Needs, so um, one of the first things we were able to do was partner with another foundation called Fight Like Ma- uh, Fight Like Mason Foundation, um, and they are another uh, another couple who lost their young son to cancer um, and we were able with them to donate, they have patented these beautiful um, children's IV poles. So, you know, if you picture going into a hospital, getting any blood work done, you've got these, you know, ugly metal (laughs) wheelie poles that they bring over. And, um, you know, and so when there are children receiving any kind of blood transfusion or intravenous treatment, um, they would be using these old IV poles. And so what Fight Like Mason Foundation has done, they've Created um, and patented these beautiful children's IV poles and they're brightly colored. They have, you know, cartoon characters or emojis on the top of them. There's, you know, unicorns and smiley faces and cupcakes and all sorts of fun things. So it really brings down the intimidation factor um, for kids who are getting treatment that they can, you know, pick a superhero pole or, you know, so it's, um, it's really neat. So we were able to partner with them. Um, And that would have been the spring after we lost him. So we lost him in February. That would have been, um, I believe it was in May. So that was one of really the first things we did um, and purchases we made with the funds we raised in his memory. And I think for both of us, I think it was the first time we felt any relief from the pain. Um, I know for me, it was the first time that I felt any sense of light or hope, um, after losing him. And, you know, being able to see, um, we had some nurses share pictures of the first patients they had with those IV poles. And, you know, looking at those pictures was the first time, you know, I, I really experienced joy, um, since losing him, um, knowing, you know, that, that in his memory, we were able to do something that was going to have even a small impact on other sick kids, you know, so, and their families. So that was really, I think, um, a turning point for myself. I can speak for myself and probably for Kent a little bit, um, in terms of us really wanting to make sure that, um, that we were preserving and continuing his memory, through helping, um, and through, you know, acts of service to other families in any way we could. Um, so yeah, so that was the first sort of thing we were able to do. And then we started, planning um, with the funds that continued to roll in, um, we were able to start planning a first annual um, fundraiser event. So in February, which is his birth and, and death month, we decided to host a first annual fundraiser. So we did just a big sort of Dinner and live music and silent auction and yeah, the first annual. Um, we only had fifty guests because of COVID restrictions, but we were able to raise. Yeah, we crushed our our um, fundraising goal. We were hoping to raise in and around eight to ten thousand, and we doubled that. So we were thrilled, um, and we were so fortunate. We had so many amazing um, community members help us and uh, and donate and uh, and donate items to the silent auction. So. Yeah, so we're in the midst of planning the second annual, we're going to be growing it every year. And, uh, and yeah, so that that again, those funds right now we we are continuing to, to put towards the endowment fund in his name. Um, and again, those earmarked purchases for for neonatal and pediatric needs at the hospital. And then you mentioned the other branch of sort of uh, one of the projects we're doing as well is um, is this scholarship fund, which um, I know your background is in communications, public relations, and advertising. And um, and Bev Hammond, who's Kent's aunt, um, she and her team at Broken Heart Love Affair actually her team approached her. They kept hearing updates while Miles. Was sick and in treatment, Um, and finally, when he became palliative, and ultimately, uh, when we lost him, they approached her and said, "You know, hey, we would love to do something, Um, and um, we're thinking of some sort of a scholarship. would Would your family be interested in in doing this in Miles's memory and and you know?" So she approached us, and then it just sort of it has grown. So they partnered with the Miami Ad School, which is a big big name in the ad agency it's the sort of top school that produces some of the most amazing talent um and so the Toronto campus uh, of Miami Ad School came on board and uh, along with Broken Heart Love Affair, they offered two students a full two-year scholarship um, in Miles' name. So it really, we were able to be part of the selection process for the two um, the two candidates who ultimately um, were successful in, in getting this full scholarship. So what we really were looking for in that selection process was two individuals that sort of embodied that spirit of miles where it was, you know, something where they were really um, getting sort of a, a big chance at something that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to experience. So, um, so it was pretty incredible. Uh, So that's sort of, the, um, the Miles Philip Hammond uh, Scholarship Fund through um, through Miami Ad and Broken Heart Love Affair and um, and that's again going to be um, on an ongoing basis. So um, the two students are going to be they're coming through. They're just finishing their first year now, so they're in, they're partway through their first year and um, and we're hopeful that um, that they'll go on to do amazing things. You know, in Miles's name, knowing that um, that this you know this opportunity sort of came about because. Of his spirit, so yeah. So those are sort of, in a nutshell, in a long-winded nutshell, <laughs> those are the uh, the fundraising um, and memorializing efforts we've uh, we've been sort of keeping busy with um, since losing him. Thank you, and it it I can feel
0: it in you in terms of the ability to bring some form of joy and light and smiles to other kids going through other medical situations, I think I can begin to understand how that weight would have been just a little bit less as a result of that. Kate, I just, I have only this question. It's just the bravery level. The bravery level of you and Kent is off the charts, from what i understand through my research that miles was is a product of in vitro fertilization and and so it wasn't necessarily an easy road to conceive miles right away so it's the wanting to be a mom and then finally being a mom and now having to go through something that no mother ever on on the planet could imagine going through and then wanting to be a mom again and I can't even imagine what that feels like for you to basically say we're going to we're going to try again and now she, here she is beautiful baby Nora can you just describe this to me Kate I mean how did you find that strength how did you find that bravery through that incredible journey
2: That's a million dollar question. (laughs) Um, I think the drive to start a family um, was so strong with Kent and I and knowing we both, you know, have have strong family roots and family ties. And I think that we sort of, <laughs> we made a decision fairly early on in our infertility journey, which was a whole other <laughs> journey, um, in and of itself. We, we really, um, you know, we, we tried to start a family for probably close to six, seven years. Um, and so we decided early on that, um, that we were going to have children no matter what that looked like. So whether that was, you know, in vitro fertilization, whether that was adoption, um, we we just jumped in with both feet, both of us <laughs> and uh, committed to the process. And it's a heartbreaking process. It's, uh, um, you know, going through the adoption um, process is, has heartache um going through infertility and and um fertility treatments um is it has a lot of heartache as well and but I think what kept us going and certainly what kept me going um before having miles was um was just this this drive to be a parent and and to know what that joy felt like and and when we were rewarded in that journey with Miles, it was so affirming for both of us to have, finally have that, um, that experience of parenthood and that experience. I mean, anyone who has, you know, wanted to be a parent and then finally became, become a parent, um, I think, can understand and relate to the, the joy it's unmatched. I mean, watching the wonder of, you know, of watching a baby change and grow and, you know, the first smiles and the first, all the, all those, you know, beautiful, beautiful firsts, I think, um, that joy is unmatched. And so in my life, I've never experienced anything like it. And so after, Miles became sick and eventually accepting that he, we were going to lose him, I think it sounds strange, but even, you know, even when he was sick and even before we ultimately lost him, Kent and I both said that we wanted other children, you know, and... I mean, although he was obviously our main focus through all of his illness and um and losing him, I think we we knew that our lives would not be as full ever without him. And we knew that that we wouldn't stop at anything to to have another crack at um at experiencing joy, um, the joy of, of, of being a full family. And um and so Nora really is Although we try, <laughs> we try not to compare and to, um, you know, talk about, not that we don't want to talk about Miles, but it's it's tough because we want her to have her own unique identity and unique experience and not to be, you know, living in the shadow, so to speak, of of this brother who unfortunately she'll never meet. But I think that what we find in her is that same same type of joy, although it's different. It's, it's a different experience. Um, I think that drive to, yeah, to just to be a family that drive to, to experience that unmatched joy, I think is, is really for me, what kept me going and what kept me pushing forward to know that, um, to know that we could be, a family, that we are a family with Miles still, we always will be, but, um, but that we, you know, we have also wanted to have a, a living child here with us. And so, yeah, so Nora has, um, has brought immense joy, immense, immense joy. Thank you, Kate. Weren't
0: you scared? I mean, I, the grieving process is different for everybody, but after losing Miles after trying so hard to have your family and then having gone through all of this with Miles and then after losing Miles, were you terrified to, to go back to this again or was there a sense of we're going to be a family in no matter what it takes?
2: Um, I'm still terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified every day. Um, I think that I... <laughs> Ken and I have talked on a number of occasions about... Um, an acceptance of that constant worry and fear, because I don't think after, after having an ill child and after seeing what we've seen in terms of what a child can, you know, can endure and can go through, I think that that fear will never go away. Um, You know, we still, (laughs) we still, you know, touch her and make sure that we can't, you know, feel anything that's off or, you know, I'll, I'll listen to her breathe sometimes and be terrified that, you know, one day she'll just stop or, you know, it's, I think that fear is something that will always be there. Um, yeah. But that being said, I think that with every, with every week and, you know, with every milestone she reaches and with every, you know, with every new memory we make, it's sort of I'm I'm reminded that there is good, and that we just we got dealt a really tough hand, you know, with our first child, and and I think that that doesn't mean that bad things are going to happen forever. Um, it felt like that at a lot of moments, but I think we both have accepted that a certain degree of fear will always be there but that we we just can't let that fear completely consume us because we've we've chosen to move forward and you know not that doesn't mean moving on but to us moving forward means um, choosing to live and if we are, constantly consumed by fear that something else will happen or that we could lose Nora. I mean, it's just not, it's not a way to live. Um, so I think, no, no, I think we, I think when, whenever anyone endures any kind of trauma, I mean, everyone has, everyone has lived experience and and their own trauma. I think everyone, um, yeah, everyone knows some type of fear and ours, ours certainly is still there. So that's, yeah, that's sort of a a really raw and honest answer to your question. It's, I wish it was in a, in a tied up in a nice, pretty little bow, but it's not. It's, it's, that fear is always going to be there.
0: Uh, Bravery is never tied up in a nice, pretty little bow. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Kate. Kent, can I ask you, a question about the term that i came across in my research about you and it it speaks to Nora and that Nora is Miles's freezer buddy i just absolutely enchanted by that idea so please tell us <laughs> what that means
1: well when we were talking about our um our journey to start a family it was a long and a difficult one and We did the, uh, uh, in vitro, um, method, and we ended up having, uh, five embryos that were viable that we could try to attempt to have a baby with. And so first one didn't work. The second one didn't work. And then we had miles. And so after miles passed away, we obviously took a little bit of time. Um, but we decided we, we had two viable embryos left and, um, we tried the fourth one, and it didn't work, and we were kind of we had four embryos, three didn't work, and miles was sick, so we were we were losing hope pretty quickly um, and then uh, the fifth one was Nora, so we were so happy that one of those embryos that was in there with Miles ended up working and and that ended up being Nora, so they have a closer connection. I think then uh I maybe it's just us but we we just feel like you know they were they were in there together and uh and that makes us happy. So it's the little things that you cling to I think. So
0: <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And yeah. you know what when I read it I went, "Yes." Yeah. It's kind of like they knew each other before they could really know each other, but they <laughs> yeah. did, right? Yeah. Absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, and she she was 5 of 5, so it was like she was the the last the last one. So we were really uh we really happy that uh that she she shares that with Miles. That's a beautiful story.
0: Thank you for sharing. Yeah, no problem. Um, Kent, what does bravery mean to you as a general question? Go with your gut on that, because it's a question I love to ask because everybody's interpretation is slightly different.
1: Um I think for me and bravery is more and maybe this is just because my experience, but bravery is, is enduring. Like how much can you handle? And, and sometimes it seems like the bravest people are the ones that can bear the most, you know? And, uh, that's kind of, that's what it means to me. And, And sometimes we don't have a choice, you know, uh, we've, Kate and I have had that conversation before and, uh, You know, a lot of people ask, you know, how did you, how did you get through that? And if you want to boil it down to its simplest form, you either continue or you don't. And uh, maybe the brave choice is continuing, but, um, you know, there's a lot of good in life. And I think continuing is the important, important thing to do. So (sighs) bravery, I think, is enduring. And when I look at brave people... Uh, whether that's in the news, you know, you hear stories of war and all the all people who endure so much, those are brave people in my in my heart and in my mind.
0: Thank you. How do we how do we help you now? Can't like how can we support you, help you support the foundation in honor of Miles? How can we support you? Well,
1: Um, You know, obviously, our number one uh, focus has been uh, Miles, the endowment fund we put together for Miles at Soldiers. So um, a lot of times we point people towards that, um, which is the Soldiers uh, Memorial Hospital Foundation. uh, And and that is specifically for um, the pediatric needs of the hospital. So that would be the number one. But I think, you know, depending on on where you live, I think the most important thing is to, for us, that's what it was, was to support the local hospitals. And especially when you read the news now and how overwhelmed a lot of the children's hospitals are right now, I think it's important that um, I would say the call out is to support your local sources. Soldiers was our gateway to sick kids. And sick kids was an amazing hospital to be with, but without soldiers, we don't get to sick kids. so right. Um, so that's where we put our focus, and we'd love for people to support Miles's endowment, but um, I think it's important to support children's hospitals.
0: And in your local community, because as you say, if the need is great enough, they become the gateway to the bigger facility. But without them, there is no gateway. Absolutely. And Kent, and I don't know if you know this answer, but for parents who may be struggling or in the process of or have lost a child, was there anything that you and Kate went through like- bereaved families of Ontario or is is there something that you could call out to the world to say, well, this or this was helpful to us as we were experiencing it? Because I know with our global global audience that we're gonna have people unfortunately who can relate to
1: your story?
0: Um
1: I think if you, if this is something, if you're going through something like this, especially from a, I'm talking from a male perspective, it's not easy to find people to talk to. That's, there are a lot of resources out there to, to help. Uh, but to find people who have gone through similar situations, um, I think it's a little easier f- for females because females are more willing to talk to each other about that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you can find local support groups, especially, uh, if you're, if you're, a, a man who's gone through something like this, a father, um, if you can find a support group with other fathers in it, that's helpful. And whether you talk or you don't talk, um, I think listening to other people's stories was a, a huge help for me. And, um, you know, we went through some, uh, we listened to some podcasts and, uh, I just tried to find, I just tried to relate. Uh, that was, that was something we did.
0: Thank you. We are going to include the endowment fund in the show notes. Thank you. Um, and all that contact information around how people can get in touch and help. And I I want to thank you both um, because this is not, it's not easy. And, and I imagine every time anybody asks you to talk about this, it, it, it puts you right back there. So I, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart because I believe that your story will help so many people in the world. And hopefully it'll also help some generate some money for miles endowment fund. So, I'll thank you both from the bottom of my heart and wish you the best. Thank you, Kent, and thank you, Kate, for inspiring the world with your bravery.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having us.
2: Thank you, Marilyn. Thanks for having us today.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Brave. For updates between episodes, please visit my website, MarilynBarefoot.com. You can also find me at MarilynBarefoot.com.